0: Today, Sally is taking us to Oceania. Well, we're in Oceania, so it's not so far to go uh, to some of the places. However, they're all UNESCO places. We'll take a look at that and more from the world of travel coming your way. We're talking travel with Sally Lucas today. Now, UNESCO only ever name a site if it's extra particularly good, don't they? They do, and we're lucky to have a few in our region, Jane,
1: Ah. aren't we? And a few in Australia as well, of course. So naturally, this is where we're visiting most these days, and hopefully the Pacific or the Oceania region will be the first that opens up to us to to travel to. So I thought we may as well talk about that so we can start planning.
0: Yes, always good to plan and nice to have something to plan for. And a UNESCO site is something with extra special features.
1: Always got something extra special there. So as they say, Here from preserved underwater paradises, extraordinary geological formations. And cultural landscapes and pristine wilderness areas of course. Now they also have spectacular flora and fauna so this isn't all of the sites in our region but it's just some to give you an idea. We all know about the Great Barrier Reef, we've probably spoken about that many times before. Um, But this, the first one that's mentioned here is the Ningaloo Coast of Western Australia and the World Heritage Area there of the Ningaloo Coast was established in only 2011 due to its remarkable marine life and environment.
0: So it's a little bit like the Great Barrier Reef, but on the west, on the other side, side.
1: of Australia. Yeah. yeah, and of course they get the the uh, whale migration there as well too. We forget about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got uh, it's fringed by the Ningaloo Reef, of course, and it's stretching two hundred and sixty kilometres in reef in length, rather. And it's Australia's largest fringing coral reef. And of course, it's where you come face to face with one of the world's largest fish, even though we call it a shark, the whale shark but it is a fish and there's nowhere else on earth where they reliably congregate in such large numbers Uh so you get about 300 to 500 annually between late March and mid-July each year and humpback whales of course as I just mentioned can also be seen annually between June and November which they colloquially call the humpback highway (laughs) and then you've got of course other beautiful marine life such as dolphins, dugong, manta rays, of course, that use the reef for their migratory routes. And of course, wonderful beaches of the reef that are important um, breeding ground for your loggerhead, green and hawksbill turtles. So that's a wonderful part. Now, I'm going to probably upset the Maori and New Zealand people with this next pronunciation. I apologise in advance. So we're going over <coughs> the ditch. <laughs> we're going over the ditch. Te punamo. Punumu, sorry, which is a Maori um, name for the place of Greenstone in the South Island of New Zealand. Now, it covers almost 10% of New Zealand's total land area, and it encompasses four national parks in the southwest of the South Island, which is uh, Aoraki, Mount Cook, Fiordland, Mount Aspiring, and Westland Tai Putini. And it was inscribed in 1990 on the World Heritage List and was recognised as containing many of the natural features that contribute to New Zealand's reputation. Of course, snow-capped mountains, wetlands, remote lush rainforests, glacial valleys, coastal fjords, waterfalls, sapphire lakes and the best uh, representations of flora and fauna originating from the prehistoric continent of Gondwana land. Ooh. So there you go. So the Westland Taiputini National Park features some of the world's most active glaciers, which we, of course, know a few of those, Franz Joseph and Fox Glacier. While Fiordland, of course, you've got the wonderful, spectacular Milford dusky and doubtful sounds, mm. and magical landscapes there, of course, carved by glaciers and cascading waterfalls that finish in beautiful, deep, deep, deep fjords. Is, is the Milford with a deep, one of the deepest fjords in the world? I think it might be. There's, if it's not the, it's, it's close too, I know. So it, Very black water. Yeah, that real black. No
0: hope of getting reflection on no, the No, <laughs> not at
1: all. And, of course, you get unique fauna, such as the southern brown kiwi, the great spotted kiwi, the yellow crowned parakeet, the fjordland penguin, the New Zealand falcon, the brown teal, and the world's rarest and heaviest parrot, kakapo, now believed to be extinct on the mainland.
0: Oh, so but it's still there.
1: That's what they're saying. Oh, yeah.
0: excellent. So,
1: yeah, and then, of course, we talked about the other week, Jane, so I won't go in depth about that, but the other areas, of course, is those sub-Antarctic islands, mm. the Macquarie Islands, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, so we, which is south, east mm. and west of the bottom of the South Island. And, of course, we mentioned all the wonderful, diverse um, greenland and flora and fauna that's there that's found nowhere else in the world. So mm. So that's another one.
0: Talking travel, and Sally Lucas, we're looking at UNESCO, sites in relatively close area, Oceania which includes us and of course our near neighbours and this one's got a little more travelling to it
1: (laughs) Yeah, a little bit further to go this time a bit further than the ditch but uh, French Polynesia of course which we know associate with Tahiti but of course the French Polynesian islands are a whole lot more than than just Papiadea and Tahiti so um, the the Tuamotus which is part of the second largest atoll in French Polynesia French Polynesia, rather, and it's considered to be one of the world's best diving locations. So it's really got an abundance of ocean and lagoon-dwelling marine life that include a variety of rays, barracudas, gropers, hammerhead and tiger sharks. And it was uh, designated a UNESCO biosphere reserve in 1977 to preserve its exceptional aquatic biodiversity and unique ecosystem which hosts rare flora and fauna that include an endemic kingfisher. Hmm. Um, the Tuamoto palm and several unique species of crustaceans such as a mantis shrimp and a slipper lobster. So the reserve is made up of the atoll itself but plus six neighbouring low-lying coral islands as well. And while diving is notably the main activity to enjoy there at Fakarava. The best way to undercounter its water beauty, of course, they say the quaint villages, etc., and all the atolls and the friendly locals are just as interesting as well. Of course, now whilst we're still in that area, and again, I'm going to apologise for my pronunciation in advance. Uh, Tapu atea which is in Raiatea in the Society Islands of French Polynesia, so it's it recognised as the ancestral home of Polynesian culture there, and it's an extraordinary cultural landscape and seascape which is on the island of Raiatea. And it was inscribed on the World uh, Heritage List of UNESCO only in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly new. And it's a, it serves as an exceptional testimony to 1,000 years. It's called of the Ma'ohi civilization. So it's a very archaeological site there as well, which, of the marae, which they call their sacred sites and sacred places, and once considered the religious uh, representation of flora and fauna, again originating from the prehistoric continent of Gondwanaland. Oh, so there you go. So you, that's how far it stretched. It's amazing when you think about it.
0: Of course, they all mixed Yeah, they were all once t- together. together. Very so, interesting. So
1: I didn't realise it went as far as Ta- Tahiti, Tahiti or French no. Polynesia. I mean, I knew Australia, etc., New Zealand, but yes, and of course they've actually got. Um, Uh, Sorry, I'll just move on here. I've lost my place. Just bear with me. Um, Uh, You don't mind
0: sitting a little in French Polynesia? No.
1: (laughs) And it says they've still got magical landscapes there that were, of course, back in Guadalajara, carved by glaciers. So uh-huh. you forget that, that that you know it's we think of it as a tropical paradise now but it went through its own ice age etc cascading waterfalls that finish also in deep black fjords. So very interesting there as well. So that's that's really a, an interesting part of the world and then we do can come back to Australia mm-hmm. because we also have Pernolulu which oh. of course was discovered as a World Heritage Site in 2003 for its incredible natural beauty. And Of course, that's in the remote area of the East Kimberley and it includes the famous Bungle Bungle Range. And that was only discovered in about, what, 1980s, I think? Oh, I from think memory. it was
0: even earlier. Uh, uh, like,
1: not much earlier. No.
0: 1960s? Oh, it might have been the I, 1980s. I think it was only... Yeah, anyway,
1: okay. it, it's got those wonderful banded domes that look like beehives. It's incredible, again, to fly over one of those areas... With, as we mentioned, Jane, like whether it's Uluru, Kakadu, you need to fly to get the actual full Mm. beauty and how far and wide they are. And they still have these incredible escarpments there like you see in Kakadu and that as well. It looks like a wave you know, breaking. It's just spectacular from the air. And some of these mounds rise 250 metres above the landscape and they've been created by sandstone. It's been eroded by creeks, rivers and weathering, weathering rather, over the last 20 million years. So you've got wonderful canyons and gorges, etc. there. And it says here that, yes, it was revered by its Aboriginal custodians for at least 40,000 years and remain undiscovered till 1983.
0: 1983, there so you
1: go. There you go. But you can also go in there, of course, and camp and four-wheel drive it in there if you so desire. Now the last one, Jane, on the list is New Caledonia. Another yeah. close to home. Um, and of course, it's got the most fantastic reef. We've, we've sailed down there, down to the Isle of Pines. It's a wonderful area to sail if you're into sailing. Really fabulous. And um, the reef diversity and associated ecosystems there, they consider some of the best in the world. And it's considered one of the most beautiful lagoons and largest lagoons in the world. And those lagoons include the Entrecasteaux Reef, the Great Northern Lagoon, the Northeast Coastal Region, Uvea, and the Beauteen Beaupré Atoll, the West. Western coastal region in the Great Southern uh, lagoon. It's recognised as the second largest reef system in the world after Australia's Great Barrier Reef. And it's also the longest continuous barrier reef in the world. It's 1,600 kilometres long and it has the largest lagoon in the world. I thought it did, 24,000 kilometres of lagoon. Mm-hmm. So, again, you get some wonderful diverse concentration of reef structures there, which, of course, provide habitat to lots of threatened marine species, of course, fish, turtles, sharks, whales, etc. And it's also home to the third largest population of dugong in the world and an important nesting site for the green sea turtle and an endemic bird area with 23 species being found only in New Caledonia. Mm, also very special. So all these places are close to home and mm. once our little board open opened up and we hope we do get our Pacific bubble these might be things you'd like to include on your ventures and travels to go to some of these wonderful UNESCO sites.
0: To you new RFM's Talking Travel and Sally Lucas, there are some things to look at that are in the planning for moving us around to nice places.
1: Yeah, well, we're talking next year, of course. I think we're all going to be on hold as far as, you know, in any any form of international travel, at least, until next year. And as I've mentioned before, um, Jane, with a lot of these companies now, they're certainly giving you more flexibility in your booking and your deposit. So if what happens for next year doesn't happen, you can transfer it, you you know, so everything is going to be a lot less... Difficult, I guess, with booking systems now, which will be a lot better anyway. Definitely a good thing. It, it mm-hmm. definitely is. So this first one is from Gauguin Cruises, who've recently actually become part of the Ponant um, French cruise line. They've joined in with them. Um, and so they've got some special offers for, of course, French Polynesia. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Paul Gauguin, which is a beautiful little small ship cruising family, and it's it's really a great little vessel, and it's, it's a luxury. It's a four-star at least, you know, but you, it's, it's a quality vessel so I can assure you as far as hygiene and all that's concerned it'll be certainly very well done they they really do it very well and so they're just offering you a limited offer where you can get $800 per person off your first cruise with them and so long as you make the booking between now and the 30th of August and they have a range of beautiful cruises doing the Tahiti and the Society Islands they're all around about 8 days and then they've got a couple of longer ones 11, 12, 14 and 15 days depending on how long you want to go but they're, they're doing the Tuamotos that we've mentioned, the Marquesa Islands, the Society Islands, even Cook Islands, Tonga and Fiji included in the mix. So there's a a range of beautiful itineraries there if you're thinking that that Pacific region appeals to you. And you're also going to be seeing some of these wonderful, of course, UNESCO places that we've just talked about. Um, We did mention a couple of weeks ago, Jane, we were talking about the sub-Antarctic islands. And Ponon also have a cruise that is going there. And it's uh, quite an in-depth cruise of those beautiful islands off the bottom of New Zealand. And 29th of December this year, that's if that opens up uh, from Auckland to Dunedin, it goes doing that. 15-day expedition cruising so they've got a free airfare now fly free from sydney melbourne or brisbane added on to that if you want to take advantage of that offer and again there'll be flexibility with if it has to be changed etc And also New Zealand, if you're looking for doing something a little different, have a bit of activity, um, New Zealand's wonderful Queen Charlotte Track and the Marlborough Sound, a 10-day walking holiday, graded easy to moderate. You get four days walking with spectacular views on on the Queen Charlotte Track. I've only done a little bit of that. It was quite beautiful. Um, You stay in lodges with panoramic sea views, have lovely, wonderful local produce. I'm sure you'll get some fresh mussels. Mm -hmm. And um, you explore the Marlborough Wine Region, which is delightful. and also, you get down to um, the capital of Wellington as well, and include a stay there at the QT Hotel, and you do a, um, a little tour, really, either on foot or by an electric bike. <laughs> So nice. there you go. So that's um, departing from January to April next year if you're interested in doing that and it's just under $6,500 per person and with uh, this is with APT and with any of their holidays now you can earn frequent flyer points, um, one point per dollar spent on any APT holiday. So that's mm. something to keep in mind as well. <gasps> so look, we're just hoping we will have a little Pacific bubble open next year or sometime soon but look, we can still dream, we can still plan.
0: We'll be ready when it opens. And we're
1: still We've got lots of our own beautiful country to visit when it opens bit by bit by
0: bit. Excellent. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news. We're on 2NURFM.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.